Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Admission Granted. I'm your co-host, Brittany. I'm your co-host, Natalie. And today we are joined by a guest, Lauren. Hi. Welcome. Yeah, Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, Lauren is a second-year PhD student, and um, I figured we'd start off with just introducing Lauren. So, Lauren, you want to tell us where you're from, where you went for undergrad, just kind of like what made you go into graduate school? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm from Hughesville, Pennsylvania, and I went to undergrad at a university called Eastern University. It's about 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And I've always really been interested in science, and I love the outdoors and exploring nature. So I always was kind of on the path into science. Mm -hmm. And then when I was um, a junior in high school, we read The Hot Zone for AP Biology, which is about Ebola virus, um, about the outbreaks. And so that really like solidified my interest in viruses and also research as a career. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do this. This is like really cool to me. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of like what set me on this path. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah. I would have to say the movie Contagion really helped me like decide I wanted to go into research and study viruses as well. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's really cool how like media and arts can really, like we talked about in the last episode, can affect um, science and inspire scientists and things like that. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so today's topic on this episode is um, the application process, what it's like to get into medical school, like apply to medical Mm -hmm. school, what's it like to apply to um, PhD school, and um, I invited Lauren on because during the application process this past year, it was during the pandemic, and when I applied, like I'm going into my fifth year of my PhD, I applied during a, like right before the pandemic, like maybe a year, yeah, a year before the pandemic hit. And so I figured today we would combine topics of the application process, what's it like, as well as what our experience was like during COVID-19 shutdown and when we came back to school and what that was like. Um, So I figured let's start off with you, Natalie. Why don't you tell us like what your application process was like, what you need to get into medical school, because I have no idea. Sure, yeah. So, um... I was a pre-med student. Um, That's not a major, by the way, which is a big misconception. Um, You can major in anything you'd like from like arts to chemistry, which was my uh, major actually with a biochem focus. Mm -hmm. But I um, took all the courses required to apply to medical school. And um, while I was an undergrad, I worked on getting my letters of recommendations from professors. So I think that's important to to keep in mind, especially early in the process. you also require a personal statement okay. for, the, for the application. So I worked on that and um, got it revised by a few different people. Um, also the MCAT, which is a huge part of the process. So the MCAT is the um, exam that you need to enter medical school. Okay. I took it during my gap year. So uh-huh. after I graduated, right. um, which we talked about a little bit in the last episode, but I think it was best for me because I was working and volunteering, interning and all while I was in school. So studying for the MCAT wasn't really feasible at that time. Mm-hmm. But during my gap year, I took the MCAT. Um, you know, I prepared for it. Yeah, what's that MCAT like? Is it like basically asking you medical questions or is it more like comprehend- comprehensive? Like, can you read this essay and answer this question? It's actually um, a little bit of both. There's four sections to it. Okay. One of them um, is very much like reading based. There is a psychology and sociology um, part, oh, other part okay. that we need to take. Um, there is a chemistry and biology part, 
and a physics and chemistry part. So four. Wow, they really parts. cover everything. Holy oh, cow! Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. And a lot of it's based on um, articles, scientific journal articles. Okay, gotcha. So it's good to you know get familiar with reading those and interpreting that kind of data. So um, I took the MCAT. I prepared my application, which. Um, takes some time. So I definitely mm. recommend doing it earlier than later, especially because some schools are rolling admissions. Okay. Um, yeah. When do you submit your applications? So it actually changed because of COVID. Oh. Um, they pushed it back um, because of COVID and the MCAT was actually shortened due to COVID. Oh, okay. They took out some parts that were used um, not to grade, but to make future exams. Um, they, it, it was a big uh, adjustment definitely because <laughs> yeah. chaotic yeah. very chaotic um so you know a lot of like adaptability we required which i think is just required in general in science mm-hmm. but um so i mentioned the mcat the personal statement and there is also an exam called the casper exam okay which not all schools require but upstate does require it um and this test assesses professionalism empathy and other soft skills like that um so that's something good to know because not a lot of people know that mm-hmm. until they actually have to take it. Um, but there's nothing you can really do to prepare for that. Just hope that, you know, you have the soft skills, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's not a pass-fail exam, so it's nothing to stress about. Oh, okay. Um, and then you submit your application. Mm-hmm. You are offered secondary applications from some schools, depending on, you know, if you meet the criteria to attend. Oh, Okay. And then you get secondary applications, you fill those out, you send them out, and you wait to hear back um, for invitations to interview. Okay, okay, I just clarified the secondary application. So, like, let's say you applied to Upstate, they would send you another form to fill out? Yes. Oh. Um, yes. But you know what? Luckily, Upstate's secondary is is very straightforward. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that about this school. Um, but some of the other schools require you to answer questions um, you know, based on your experience or, you know, scenarios that you might be in and things like okay. that. So um, there's a lot of resources online for all of this information. So I do encourage anyone who is applying to look into that. But um, yeah, uh, interviews usually start around December. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. so you probably applied then in the summer? Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mention. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, I submitted my application, I believe it was in June. Okay. Yes. It feels like so long ago. I was going to say, how long did you, like, how long did it take you to do the application? Like, it seems like it would take you, what, like a month, right? To write your statement, fill out the application. And it varies. It varies from person to person. I was um, taking care of my grandmother at the time, and it was, um, it took me a little longer, I think, than it would have otherwise. Yeah. 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 Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Lauren, um, was your application process similar to Natalie's? Like, did were deadlines pushed because of COVID? Like, do you want to just walk through yeah. your application process? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think any deadlines were pushed. Um, I know that for me, so I had anticipated taking the GRE mm-hmm. um, as part of applying to grad schools, but a lot of the places I ha- was um, applying to were either they had waived it completely, like they didn't use GRE scores at all, or they had waived it due to COVID for a year. Gotcha. And so I ended up not taking the GRE, which was kind of nice because I didn't have to pay for that or like do that studying. I could just focus yeah. on the applications. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the applications that I had were due at the beginning of December or like, or, or like the beginning of January. Yeah. And I think that's when I applied to Upset. I think theirs was closer to January. Yeah, so I talked to some people in admissions um, for the PhD portion of Upstate. Um, the GRE is no longer required for oh. application process to Upstate, whereas it was required when I applied. 
Um, so I thought that was interesting. It seems yeah. to be that schools are moving away from standardized yeah. testing. Yeah. Um, but in addition, most schools, yeah, like in my application process four years ago, um, everyone was like December 1st deadline. But mm-hmm. for Upstate, it's... I think this year it's February. Oh, wow. So yeah. um, I was a little surprised that it's a little later. Mm-hmm. But when I was talking to someone in admissions, they said that it's very beneficial for students in, applying to the PhD program to get their application in around December because that's when they start looking at applications okay. because mm-hmm. the application opened in September. So that's when all like the committees sit down and they start looking at everything. So That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so did you um, also do three letters of recommendation? I think that's what's needed. Yeah, yep, I did three letters of recommendation and a personal statement. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I also, uh, you attach a CV or resume. So right, I, I use yeah. my CV. Yeah. yeah, so one thing I think that's important to talk about is the letters of recommendation. So Natalie, you want to start with telling me, like, who wrote your recommendation letters and, like, what their relationship with you was like? Sure. So I actually had five recommendation letters, um, and I had them all submitted to my school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's quite a bit. I think you don't require that many. Um, But I had them all submitted to my... um, the pre-health counselor at my school because mm-hmm. there is something called a committee letter that a lot of undergraduate schools offer okay. for medical school applications. Yeah, so it's basically a letter that compiles all of these recommendations and you it's written by someone who actually doesn't know you. So it's a very oh, unbiased interesting. Okay. Yeah, per, um, point of view. Um, I did speak with this person over mm-hmm. the phone because of COVID. We couldn't meet in person, yeah. but she, did, um, she was able to go through my letters and experiences and have okay. me explain a little bit about myself and why I was interested in those specific um, people writing my letters. Okay. So my first letter I got was actually in my first semester back in school. Mm -hmm. It was from my English 101 professor, Dr. Jessica Yid, a brilliant woman um, who I connected with based on the fact that we both were very passionate about advocacy and public health and things like that. And English 101 is actually one of the prerequisites for med school. Um, And then I got two letters from science professors at Lehman College as well. One of them was a um, biochemistry professor and the other one was physical chemistry. And these were people that I also got to know on a personal level that knew that I would, you know, I always showed up to class. I always did my best. I always offered to help. um, And I, you know, like to go a little above and beyond for those courses. So I did ask them knowing that they would write me strong letters. Right. Then I had a letter from um, the unit chief at the psychiatric unit that I volunteered at that I mentioned um, last episode. So um, I knew that she would also write me a a strong letter because I worked there for two years. Um, We also developed a personal relationship. And um, then my last letter was from the PI of the research um, that I did, the public health research. So I worked one year volunteering in the field, um, like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. gathering data, but then I was offered a position as a um, part of the intervention. So I was, um, my position was titled a health educator and that was actually a paid position. So again, I knew that she trusted me and that she would have positive things to say about me. Yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of letters from the medical field and even outside the field. Exactly. That's that's really important. Yeah. yeah. So Lauren, your letters of rec, they were also your science professors that you had a close relationship with? Yeah. And I think, um, especially in PhD programs, I noticed a lot of applications were recommending that you have at least one person who has directly supervised you when you're doing research. 
Okay. Um, a lot of places require you to have at least some research experience. Yeah. Um, and so if you do have that, they expect a letter of recommendation from that person. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of a hiccup in my letters of recommendation where my undergrad um, PI, my research mentor, she ended up leaving for industry, like a great position. Yeah. Very exciting for her. But she was in a industry where she couldn't use her work email and she didn't feel comfortable using her private email to send me okay. letters of recommendation, which yeah. I totally understand. That's kind of like something you're not supposed to do for grad school applications. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to use her, but I listed her as a reference still, mm-hmm. um, which I think was really helpful to have there with an explanation of why she couldn't send me a letter of recommendation. Um, and then I used a PI from a summer research internship that I did at Duquesne University as a recommendation. And then... Um, two of my professors at Eastern, one of them who had also uh, supervised me during research, and then one who I had TA'd for. So people who I all had a very personal connection with um, and who could speak to my research abilities and my interests. And Eastern is a really small school, so even though I wasn't directly under all of the professors throughout some, like the bulk of my research mm-hmm. they had everyone knew seen, you yeah, yeah. they had seen me okay. in the lab they knew you know my work ethic and yeah yeah all of my recommendation letters were very similar to that I did an internship in Madison County um where we documented tracked counted mosquitoes that were infected with triple e or oh, west cool. nile virus yeah yeah i got mom my, my supervisor to write me a recommendation letter and then i also did research in undergrad those two professors two different research topics uh, they also wrote me recommendation letters. And it seems that what really helps you get into graduate school, medical, PhD, that it's letters that are supportive and mm-hmm. strong and mm-hmm. saying that this person is um, a hard worker. I can be accountable for um, the work that they do and that they would be good for this field. Like, I feel yes. like that those are the kind of letters you need to get into a graduate school. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we talked about recommendation letters. So now I just want to focus on the interviews, like uh, what your interview was like, what your interview was like, Lauren, Natalie, um, and then what my interview was like, because it's definitely a lot different. (laughs) Sure. So, um, Lauren, why don't we start with you? Um, What was your interview like? Was it on the phone? Was it over Zoom? Yeah. Who did you talk to? It was over Zoom, yep. So I got the email um, that... I I got interviews, Mm -hmm. and one of them was with a PI in the micro and immunology department, and then one was with a PI who was in the pharmacology department. So okay, so two interesting. Yeah, two. Yep, and we set up a meeting over Zoom, and I think from talking to other people in my cohort, they also had two interviews. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we set up a Zoom meeting. The first one um was about an hour long. I think we got into like conversation about their research and it just you know, uh, lasts a little longer and then the second one was about 30 minutes long so okay. yeah gotcha and you, did you preference in your personal statement that you wanted to be in the microbiology department or the pharmacology department do you remember I know that my personal statement mentioned that I was interested in viruses and that eventually okay. I wanted to study that so I'm that might have played a role in it um, I was gonna say it sounds like maybe the admissions committee probably was like hey this student is interested in these two departments um we would like someone to interview her from these two departments yeah I hadn't put any preference for pharmacology so I'm wondering if they also do like an outside department just to see mm-hmm. too if the student can still connect about research with somebody who might not be within their specific interests. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Natalie, what was your interview like? Was it was it on Zoom as well? Yes, all of my interviews were on Zoom. Okay. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I saved a lot of money on travel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
And I think it's going to continue to be that way, uh, at least for the um, Yeah, definitely. That's what future. the emissions committee said. Everything's going to be on Zoom. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's um, it's great. I love that. Um, I had a couple of different interviews at different schools. The one here I really enjoyed because I got to speak to a student um, as well as a faculty oh, okay. member. So, yeah, I got to speak to both of them. And it was very much about what my personal interests were, the type of, okay. you know, the type of um, person I am, what I like to do outside of school and things like that. Because I think at that point they realize that you have all everything you need yeah. to succeed yeah. in the program. So they really want to know if, you know, how you will interact with your peers, um, mm. your personality and things like that. So that was my upstate interview. But again, all interviews are different. Um, some schools did group interviews. Oh, um, so like there was like 10 of you on a Zoom call? Something like, like that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, and then they did like a group based learning activity. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. they really... They're trying to assess, I think, how you work with other people, okay. you can work as part of a team, how encouraging you are, gotcha. things like that. And there was someone like watching, like God. as we're doing this <laughs> with their so camera off. Yeah. All I can think of is like <laughs> camp activities, like, you know, like, okay, everyone, you have to stack the cups, you oh know, like gosh, you yeah. only using tape or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, in a way it's like kind of cool. Like, you know, you figure out like what other people's strengths are and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you know. I think it's a it's a good learning experience, um, and I guess it's a good way to assess a you know a person how they work. Yeah, in a team. yeah. So that was your first interview, and you did you have a second interview with Upstate? No, I only had one interview with Upstate. Okay, okay. is that typical? Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. Ask, is that typically, typical? it's just one one interview. Okay. Um, and again, every school is different, but I really appreciate that I got to talk to a student from Upstate. Yeah, and that's nice. Get their perspective because it's also. The student or the applicant interviewing the school as well. Right. You know, we have to see if the school is a good fit also. And mm-hmm. one thing I noticed immediately from Upstate is that all the students are like happier <laughs> than they are in other schools um, yeah. for some reason. So yeah, I, I noticed I that still... too. Yeah, when right? I inter- when I met with some students, that they seem happy. Yeah, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. Yeah, so my interview process was on the phone, guys. Jeez. I had to call them. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I talked is it to... Typical, I'm sorry, is it typically like that? Well, so from what I heard, yes, it was typically like, like that, that they would call you on the phone and you would answer. Mm. Um, and so they would give you like a time frame. Like you get an email saying like, hey, so-and-so is going to... E- or excuse me, so-and-so is going to call you. Um, please be ready. So I remember sitting in my dorm with my cell phone out and like my laptop up with like topics highlighted like okay we're going to talk about this and this and this um but yeah so I had a phone call interview last about an hour I remember having technical difficulties the call kept dropping and it's probably because I went to undergrad in Potsdam which the cell signal is very sparse there um so yeah I interviewed with someone from the biochemistry department um which is interesting because I remember preferencing the microbiology department. So I just wonder if, like, maybe that's who was available. I know. I wonder um, if it is more randomized. Yeah. I'm really yeah. Sure. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had an hour-long interview on the phone, um, and that was my only interview. And then uh, I got a call from the admissions committee saying, you were accepted. And I was like, oh, awesome. The best news ever, yeah, right? Yeah, so I, I remember because it was my birthday. And oh, I was, like, crying. And I was like, thank you so much. And they were like, okay. And I was like, okay. Um, and so the next step after, you know, you're accepted is coming to the school. I know my um, cohort, they had several big meetings with, like, 
other accepted students. I was in a smaller, there were like two or three students who came because I couldn't make um, the bigger weekend where we talked to faculty that in the department we were interested in. Um, we got a tour of the school and we had a dinner with students and um, several in-person meet and greets kind of more for the professors to get a vibe of you and you to get a vibe mm-hmm. of the campus. Um, so I was just wondering, you guys didn't get that, right? They didn't invite you to the school. Not to the physical school. Yeah, but yeah. But we did have a Zoom event where we, okay. were, yeah, we were able to, it was like a mixer where we were to talk mm-hmm. to um, other applicants that were accepted as well as like current students. Uh-huh. And we got to ask, you know, off the cuff questions. It wasn't like supervised by anyone. It was okay. very casual. So I got to learn about like what the living situation was like, how the food is up here, you know, things that like you're curious about, but don't know until you get here. Right. So yeah. I accepted my um, invitation to attend this school before ever having come up here. Oh my gosh, so, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I did feel comfortable knowing that like there were other students like me, um, non-traditional students mm-hmm. that you know, there's some good restaurants up here. Yes, there's for sure. beautiful nature. There's a lot of um, cool things up in Syracuse. So yeah, yeah. So Lauren, what did they what did they do for you guys? They had also an accepted students day over Zoom, and it okay. was more structured. I think it, there was a point where we were able to talk to current students, which I found really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But it started out with like all of us in a Zoom room, and they split us into breakout groups based on um, departments of interest. Okay. And so we got to like, go talk to. Um, people who are representing the department and then we also got to t- uh, listen to a student-led panel and talk to them without anyone else in the room which was nice they're like ask yeah. us whatever you want and they also gave us their contact information which was really helpful for me because I also um mo- like am not from this area so like looking for right. apartments was yeah, really interesting and weird. I was like yeah. I, I was able to email one of them and be like hey like what is the campus housing like what is what are areas that um people live normally like what do you suggest and right. got some really helpful feedback and yeah yeah yeah, so and we'll, really nice. we'll talk about that in another episode, like Definitely. housing, stipend, yeah. we'll stipend for the PhD students, medical school costs, things like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because financials, you know, big burden for yeah. us. Yeah. It's a big factor too into the school that you're going to. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I was also, so a professor had reached out to me before I came up here to tour her lab and tour Weisgotten, tour the building, which was really nice because during COVID, I think that they were... Um, encouraging professors to reach out to students who are interested in the type of research they do. Oh, okay. And so I came up and I was able to tour Weisgotten and tour mm-hmm. that professor's uh, lab, which was really nice, and just ask some questions one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really good opportunity, too, because that was the first time I had set foot on campus and I had already accepted um, the offer from yeah. the school. So I was already, I already knew I was going here. So it yeah. was just nice to get a little bit of insight into, like... Yeah, get familiar. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um... Yeah, so I met with the admissions uh, department for PhD school, and they said that an open house is very beneficial for potential graduate students, that mm-hmm. you never know if you can't come to campus mm-hmm. um, after accepted students day, that you know an open house will give you a better feel for the department, for upstate, for the surrounding areas of Syracuse, which all contribute to your decision whether or not to come here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the admissions office also said that, like we talked about earlier, strong supportive letter for your letters of recommendation as well as um a personal statement that kind of feeds into more about your personality as a researcher and as well as like a future medical student i know those personal statement letters right are more about like what made you come into medicine right yes yeah that's what you wrote in exactly yours. um 
Mine was a little bit about my background. Okay. And yeah, just like my journey to medical school and why I felt like I possessed all the qualities and Mm -hmm. things that are required to succeed in medical school. Yeah. So that's what I wrote about. Everyone is, you know, obviously has a different journey. So I think it's really important to let your unique characteristics kind of shine through. Yeah, definitely. And I think that also applies to um, PhD. I think we tend to get stuck in like, this was our research experience and this is all the research that I did and I've done a lot of research and Mm -hmm. I have an experience. (laughs) Um, I know those were all the same words just tied in different Mm -hmm. (laughs) like order. But um, I think, you know, when you have your interviews with PIs um, for PhD school, they're looking for enthusiasm. They're looking for you to talk about um, your research, your experience, kind of troubleshoot, right? Because they want to see that you are ready to dedicate your life six years here, yes. mm-hmm. but that you're also excited about research and that you'll be driven to do research and sort of, right, like set your brain up to move out of the undergrad thinking, taking tests, writing essays, and more yeah. into like creating questions um, and looking into different topics, you know? sort of more an independent yeah. researcher. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Brittany. Um, I think it's also true that admissions committees, as far as I can tell, are also looking for well-rounded um, candidates mm-hmm. because, like you said, you do have to do a lot of work on your own. It's very like self-motivated. Yes. So I think it's important to um, not only talk about things that are going to show the admissions committee that you can succeed not only as a student but as a person and mm-hmm. because you know hard things will happen in your life yeah while yeah. you're in school so i think it's important that they know that you know you can really motivate yourself and and take care of yourself yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um i think that part of your application really came through through my class so mm-hmm. when COVID happened shutdown happened I was in my second year, so I was getting ready for my qualifying exam, which is basically a test. Um, You write an essay, you write a grant, um, and then you do an oral presentation. And it's basically to test whether or not you're ready to become a PhD candidate, Mm -hmm. um, that you're ready to explore your research, and that you have enough, um, like, basic skills, and your brain is able to think in a certain way that, like, you could move forward as a researcher. Right. Um, and I remember just being so confused during shutdown because I was like, just just joined my lab and I was still really new, still didn't really know my way. And my boss and I were like trying to figure out what way I learned best. Mm-hmm. Um, so when everything shut down, we changed to Zoom, classes were canceled, all of the meetings and presentations for students that was like I think that was really tough and during the qualifying exam like you are doing a lot of research and writing but um I had I felt like I had no one to talk to um because Mm. even though people in my cohort were going through the same thing everyone was in a different department um I think I only had one other student in my department who another student who was accepted into my department. Mm-hmm. So the experience for your qualifying exam is different for each department. Um, and yeah, I just wasn't really sure about the process. I kind of like got sucked back into the, you know what? Like, I don't really know if I want to do graduate school. Like imposter mm, syndrome yeah. really took over my brain during my qualifying exam. And 
Um, I think it really showed, like, during my test that, like, I was unsure of, like, how I felt as a researcher, and I think it portrayed through my exam, but I think that the faculty here were so understanding. Absolutely. Like, they helped me through my exam, um, and my boss even stated, he was like, you know, we haven't seen her, like, COVID, everything was shut down, she's, like, clearly struggling, and, um... Wow, they cared and they noticed that. That's amazing. Yeah, and they noticed that. And they talked about that during, like, after my exam. So much so that they were like, we know you'll be a good researcher. And you passed. Like, congratulations. But we're going to rewrite some sections in your test to make sure that, like, um, the growth that we, the potential growth that we see Mm -hmm. can actually come, like, Mm -hmm. can actually move forward. So that was really nice that, like, the faculty were able to understand that. And I feel like a lot of students struggled during their qualifying exam mm-hmm. um, during COVID. But mm-hmm. that um, initial, like, resilience and enthusiasm for research, I feel, right? Like, you can see that in an application. Like, you yeah. can see people are driven. For sure. So I think, you know, we definitely realized how resilient we were during yes. COVID and shutdown. And, like, that graduate school is the next step for us. I think that's incredible that the school mm-hmm. was able to recognize that and encourage you and meet with you one-on-one. Um, yeah. I love that about Upstate. I've definitely seen that in different, you know, in the med, in the College of Medicine as well. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is just like, just to kind of tie in what we've been talking about so far, um, aside from the application process, we've all had to adapt. Yes. And it's like, I think one of, as a human race, just one of our most one of our greatest strengths is our adaptability. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to also remember that we have had to adapt as individuals, but also like the school has had to adapt to yes. the application process. Um, and, you know, just teaching as well. Yeah. Figuring out things that work, figuring out things that don't work. Yeah. And we're still kind of figuring it out. Yeah. I yeah. Think. <laughs> the pandemic is still going. Yeah. So right. yeah. we're still in the thick That's of it. That's true. Yeah. Um, I guess we can transition now into talking about how COVID has affected, um, the programs that we're in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brittany, you def- you mentioned... Um, yeah, meetings are on Zoom now. Meetings are on Zoom. Very convenient, especially when you're like, okay, I have to get this project done, but I mm-hmm. also need to attend this seminar. I will just plug in my headphones, have it on my phone. Like, I can do two things at once. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. one thing that changed for the College of Medicine this year, um, thankfully in my class, everything started in person. We did have to wear the masks and obviously mm-hmm. do the social distancing. The previous c- cohort of medical students they were all on Zoom, everything. Yeah, like even like Zoom? Oh, anatomy. Wow. Um, I'm not even sure. They, they were able to dissect in mm-hmm. the cadaver lab and things mm-hmm. like that, but um, everything was mostly on Zoom. Yeah. And I'm just grateful that I was able to learn it in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I learned about my learning style is that I do like to be in person. I like to work, you know, be with people. Yeah. Um, but we did have one unit speaking of adaptability, one yeah. unit where we had to actually go stay online. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so after the winter break, we had a unit, um, cardiology and pulmonology, um, where everything was online. So okay. that was definitely a difficult unit yeah. for yeah. everyone, I think, because we had already adjusted to... Mm-hmm. Being back in person. Exactly, being yeah. in person, and you know everything was still kind of new. Mm-hmm. This is only our fifth unit out of eight, so... Yeah, I think we'll definitely have to have an episode on basically, like, what the normal coursework is like for, like, first years and Mm -hmm. for PhD students because it is so, like, drastically different, especially 
after the pandemic. So, Lauren, yeah. your classes were online your first year? So, um, your first semester as a PhD student, you take a course called Foundations, mm-hmm. which basically catches you up on everything they think that you should know foundationally. And yeah. it's notoriously, everywhere you go, it's a fairly difficult class. It's just, it's strenuous and it's, um, it covers a lot. So, yeah. it, we started out in person, which was really oh, okay. nice. Um, and I found... I was like, I really love being in person, too. Yeah. I find it way easier to concentrate. Yes. I don't find myself going off task as much. Um, and then the last... So it's split up into, like, three units. And the last unit, they put us online because there was just some COVID going around. Um, oh, like yeah. Within our cohort, kind of. And so, I remember that. When yeah. all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my gosh, all the rotation students, they're out. Right. Like, <laughs> they're down. They're sick. Uh, yeah. So they're like, okay, Zoom time. And... That was also one of the harder units for me, and mm-hmm. I think it, uh, being on Zoom played into that. I, yeah. I had a hard time concentrating and studying, and I was also, like, by the end of that class, I was like, I'm so tired. Like, yeah. But, yeah, that was hard to adapt to, but we all did. Um, I think it helped that we were – we had already transitioned transitioned to Zoom once before in undergrad. Like, we had all already gone right. through the, the big transition. Right. So it wasn't as hard. Um and then I had one course in the spring semester that was over Zoom, but it was taught in a kind of flipped manner, so it wasn't, mm-hmm. um, that one was actually, I thought, really well done over Zoom, so. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, it's been in person. Yeah, I've had some courses that have now fully transitioned, like, smaller courses that were, like, six weeks, had mm-hmm. fully transitioned to Zoom, mm-hmm. um, just out of, like, respect for students and faculty and, like, their schedules, um, but I definitely think, like, in-person classes are so much better, like, you make relationships with students you know you don't feel so isolated you make relationships with professors like and it I'm a visual learner Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to learn when you're in a class and you physically for me when you physically see it so yeah yeah Yeah, so I think we've covered a lot of topics about the application process basically the transition into COVID and I think the next topic we want to sort of wrap up this episode is basically how we think COVID affected public health, how we think it affected science, research, um, and how do we think it shaped the future of public health and research? Um, So Natalie, do you have any thoughts or opinions on how you think COVID positively or negatively affected the future of medicine? Certainly. um, I do have quite a few thoughts. Um, Yeah. One thing I will say, I just want to um, have like a moment of silence for everyone who's been affected by COVID. Um, it's been really tough and um, I definitely empathize with, with anyone who has been directly affected or had, has lost anyone from COVID. So um, if you can just take a moment of silence for that. Um, but I also just want to mention that I think, I think COVID has definitely brought into focus the fact that we're all kind of in this together. Mm-hmm. We're all affected by someone else's struggles and difficulties and I hope that it will allow us to move forward as a society to a place where we can become more interdependent and trust science mm-hmm. more because yes. that's something that I def- definitely think was brought to light as well um just like the mistrust in science and yes. how you know it, it really affects everyone yeah, yeah, I talked about on the first episode mm-hmm. when um, Crystal asked me, like, how I feel about, like, my career choices mm-hmm. and what I'm most afraid of. And, mm-hmm. right, I said, Indeed. I was like, I'm most afraid of the fact that I go to PhD school for six years 
and no one trusts me. No one trusts the research that I've done, my opinions, um, and that mistrust, you know, it's, I feel like it's, comes out of fear, you know, like, for sure, you, you don't want to put your trust in someone and then have it ripped away, Mm -hmm. you know, like, false, um, false accusations, you know, like, false, um, narratives, things like that, um, and, this isn't the first time, you know, the world has gone through a pandemic. Like we, we've gone through it before we come out the other side. We're okay. But I feel like that, you know, that mistrust in science, it, it comes in waves. Definitely. But one of the benefits of, um, the COVID pandemic is the science community realized that we aren't communicating well with Mm -hmm. the public. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there was a lot of confusion about, like, what to do, what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there were reports written about, like, um, certain treatments that, like, ended up being wrong. And, you know, that fear really roots in that mistrust. And I think science communication does need to be improved. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that TikTok has really helped. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of scientists moving towards a platform that will help explain science to the general public right you need to be able to explain and portray your research to all ages and all educational backgrounds like Mm -hmm. you don't yes you could be talking to someone you know who's 70 years old who only went to high school you know doesn't have a higher education degree so i think that this is the transition that scientists are like forced into now is that yeah. we need to be able to communicate we need to be able to communicate well mm-hmm. do you feel that way lauren yeah i definitely agree i feel like covid hit when i was it kind of pulled me away from science in the lab because i was working from home and then i graduated right and i was in between um graduation and applying to graduate school so i wasn't in any labs like getting any like insight on anything but i was sitting at home and watching it unravel and keeping up with the updates and seeing the fear firsthand from people. Mm -hmm. And I think that it really hit home that we need to be able to communicate to a very broad audience. And, like, that should just be the norm, like, for all science, not just, like, viral research, but, like, it's something that's very important. Yeah. Right? Like, as uh, doctors, right, you need to be able to portray your diagnoses that's understandable to your patients. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Mm -hmm. transparency is very important. Um communication which i think is why like they admissions committees look at you as a holistic person Mm -hmm. um and you know going back to the mistrust i think it comes from a very valid place oftentimes i mean you know we can't dismiss them uh people who mistrust medicine um and i think it's important that as scientists especially our generation yeah because we're living through covid um that we really listen to people and their concerns i Mm -hmm. think that's like one of the most important steps into addressing their fears. You know, there's just been so much research already done. Yes, yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, Moderna, one of the uh, major uh, companies that produces the vaccine, they're only 12 years old. Like, they're such a young company. They were founded mm-hmm. in 2010, and their main goal was to, like, find an mRNA vaccine. But they weren't focused on COVID, right? No one really knew about COVID right. before this pandemic. They were more focused on... Um, the flu vaccine, you know, something that we get vaccinated for every year. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there are companies that are starting up and coming out with uh, new products and we're not focused on those, you know, the big companies that we've all heard of in our household name, like household names before COVID. But, you know, now we know of another company, Moderna and like AstraZeneca, like these are other companies that 
um, are making their mark in public health and research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really think it's important for people to recognize that like it's not in our vested interest as scientists, as doctors, to harm anyone. It's actually an oath right. that we take is to do as well as much as we can to help mm-hmm. heal people um, and help prevent disease. So I think that's just something that I always hold on to um, when I'm facing people who are mistrusting or doubtful. Um, yeah, I'm not afraid to say, like, when the vaccine was first rolled out, I was a little hesitant. Absolutely. You know, it's I, normal. Like, I'm a virologist. Like, you know, I should be able to support companies that come out with vaccines that have been shown to work. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I had to do my research, like, my own personal research. Yes. Um, and see if this was like the best move for me and then I had to advise my family because you know they looked up to me they had they have no medical background they Mm -hmm. they don't have any awareness of like what your body's doing how viruses work how Mm -hmm. you know your immune system works so like I had to do my own research and I mean I did find out that you know the COVID vaccine did you know 95% effective against um against COVID transmission and uh, also reducing symptoms so science communication you know between the public and yourself very important Mm -hmm. and um you know you reminded me yesterday Brittany that (laughs) upstate actually was home of the first trial the Pfizer trial yeah so that's right Natalie so um I actually can talk about that because our department chair is one of the researchers who uh helped run the trial so Pfizer um, went to over 150 different sites, academic sites, and asked for a clinical trial for the um, for the vaccine. And Upstate was one of those locations, yeah. and they had over 40,000 participants wow. join in this clinical trial to see yeah. if this vaccine was effective against COVID. And um, we were able to publish that information, and it's just so interesting that like Upstate you know, you see it as a hospital, you see it as a place to go when you get hurt, Mm -hmm. but we actually have this hub of research Mm -hmm. that, yeah, yeah, that we can publish to the world and, like, show. I just think that's so cool that, like, we were one of those places that contributed to overall knowledge Mm -hmm. and uh, impact on public health. Yeah, it almost makes me want to get a PhD. (laughs) (laughs) It's another thing I did want to mention also is that there is a MD-PhD program here at Upstate. Mm -hmm. um, And maybe we can have one of those students come and talk to us Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, because it is is demanding, right? You you start out with MD, go to PhD, go Mm -hmm. back. We should definitely do an episode on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because their cohort is extremely small. It's small. It's really interesting. And another, another good thing to know about that program is actually it's all free um if yes. you get in so mm-hmm. you know it's definitely a incent- an incentive yes yeah apply. they kind of merge the medical school and the phd stipend so mm-hmm. yeah right. you're able to go to school for free and as well as make some money <laughs> um i guess we can wrap up by just well thanking you lauren for being here and sharing your story oh my gosh absolutely thank you for having me yeah, it was such a pleasure um and just remember that um you know, we're in this amazing field where we can do so much. It's such a mm-hmm. pivotal time. Anyone who wants to apply should definitely apply if you have any interest or inkling. Yes. Um, do personal research into what it is that you can contribute to this amazing, growing medical science field. Mm-hmm. 
I think that wraps up, right? What we wanted to talk about, like yeah. COVID and mm-hmm. application process. Um, uh, thank you so much, Lauren, Absolutely. for coming and talking yes, with us. You. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, me. didn't have that much experience application process during COVID. And Natalie, we always value your input about medical school. Thank you. Yeah. Same to you, Brittany. Definitely. So Brilliant. thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you next time.